Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hey there, welcome into the program, week 14 edition of the Saints Wire podcast. We can believe that, John. We're already into December, week 14. Friendly Time remi- flies, man. It does, man, it does. Uh, friendly reminder to all our listeners to hit that subscribe button for us. We appreciate you. You can find us all over, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. So check us out. Hit subscribe. We appreciate you. John, I wanted to do something a little bit different, You know, coming off that mini bye week played on Thursday last week, so... We've had a little bit of time off. We've already covered that Cowboys game last week. So I thought we could start with a little chat about Sean Payton and, and maybe some critical analysis, but really just in what's been the oddest season of his Saints tenure. And that's saying something, right? To say it's the oddest season of, of his Saints tenure, there's always something going on with the Saints team. And this year has been just kind of even crazier than, than usual. Uh, you know, I, I think back to when the Saints beat the Bucks with Trevor Simeon coming in to replace Jameis when he went down with the knee injury. They improved the five and two. They had that home game coming up against the Falcons, and it, I just felt like at that point, Sean Payton was like a runaway Coach of the Year pick, right? With the team getting displaced by a hurricane early in the season, all the injuries, the Michael Thomas thing. You know, all, all we could do was sing his praises. But now we're sitting here, knee deep in the longest losing skid in in his tenure. And certainly there's been, you know, tons of stuff, injuries, COVID lists, all that. But we could look critically at a couple areas, right? We could look at the team not going to get help at the trade deadline at wide receiver. And wide receiver continues to be a problem. Um, I think a lot of Saints fans were critical that he stuck with Trevor Simeon for four games, didn't give Taysom a shot earlier for whatever reason, right? And uh, I'm just wondering when you look at it, like how critically should we look at the head coach? Uh, and the job he's done this season, especially on offense. Yeah, I think that there are some valid criticisms of, of the job Sean Payton has done this year. Certainly, in-game decisions, uh, some of those have been kind of baffling. Like the uh, what was it, the fifty, the fifty-six yard field goal drive for for a Brent Maher last Thursday. <laughs> yes, that, yes, that was no, the no one, no, no, no one believed had a shot when he, when he uh, stepped up to kick it. Um, that's one example. Roster construction. You mentioned the uh, the trade deadline brackets. Um, they, they did try to find, find somebody at, at, at the trade deadline. You know, they were in on Odell Beckham. They were in on uh, Darius Slayton with the uh, Giants. They, they, they made some calls. They, they, they did their diligence. They got close. They, they weren't able to feel the deal. Uh, but my gripe there is that this is a problem they've known about for years now. I mean, we're, what, uh, two years removed from Michael Thomas catching, like, 70% of, of the targets that the Saints uh, threw at the team. No doubt, yep. Um, they've known for, yeah, they have known for a long time now that the receivers are not good enough. Uh, they knew this way back in, you know, uh, February and March when uh, Mike Thomas was scheduled to get ankle surgery, and he did not do that, and it, they did not act to sign anyone in free agency or to draft a player uh, to draft a rookie that they've just neglected this for months and months and months. And they, they just sit on their hands and, and Peyton, you know, specifically sits on his hands and he waits to sign uh, Kenny Stills after training camp is already over. Uh, he waits to try and go recruit Odell Beckham uh, whenever he finally gets out of Cleveland. Like 
it's like he, he it's like he consistently does too little too late to address this issue um and now we're, we're stuck with the situation we're in now where you know uh, we don't have Kenny skills he, he, we you know we waited too late to find to get him in the building and once we do get him in he, he can't play anymore i mean he, he, he's caught five of 22 passes so he got cut uh they, they brought kevin white back uh, they, they lost uh, for some reason, uh, they, they lost Deontay Harris to, to a suspension for the next three games. Um, they have just, he's just really neglected this uh, part of the roster. And, you know, the bill's coming due for that now. So he, so he, he's, in a, he's in a tough spot. And, he, you know, Peyton deserves all the criticism in the world for it because at the end of the day, he's the one making these roster decisions. He is the one who is. Um, sitting at the, at the head of the table in the, in the war room on draft day, he's the one who is overseeing the free agent tryouts on Tuesdays. I mean, he, he's the guy here. It's not Ricky Loomis. It's not Jeff Ireland. Uh, he's the one making these decisions, and these decisions have blown up in his face uh, repeatedly over, over the last year. So I, I will give him give him his props. You know, the adversity that the Saints did overcome, like, like you said, with being displaced by a hurricane for for a month, a uh, month and a half, and all of the injuries they sustained to still have a five and two record at some point was so impressive for everything they, that they've overcome. And it, it's just continued to get to worsen and build up. And we're at a point now where I'm just not confident that they're going to be able to overcome these issues and get back to the playoffs. I think I've only said nice things about Sean Payton because I love him. I think he just does a great job. I think the program he runs with the saints is amazing, but you know, he has a flawed team in a lot of ways, as you wrote on saints wire, but you can't say that without referencing how much the team's been snake bitten this year, right, John? They have been snake bitten, and that's a, that's a big reason why we've lost five straight here, right? I mean, you know, no Alvin Kamara for the last four weeks. Uh, hopefully, he's back. He's back at practice. Hopefully, he's back this week. You know, you're missing key pieces on defense. You're missing key tackles on offense, right? So it's just like, and then you know that compounds the the issues at wide receiver. But you know, the the little pe- when we do talk about Sean Payton and, and kind of give him a little bit of crap. This year, we have to go back and say, but the team's been super snake bitten this year. There's no other way around that. Oh, absolutely. You know, they, they went throughout most of November without having their two all pro bookend offensive tackles together. Those guys have been hurt. Kamara's been hurt. Uh, two, two of the four quarterbacks have been injured. I mean, it's, yep. it, it, they, they've, been, they've been snake bitten this year. Uh, there's really no other way to go about it. Um, I know that every team in the NFL is managing injuries, to the, take, taking losses to the depth chart. But for the Saints, it seems like everyone who's been injured has been like a premier player who's been a, a starter, a pro bowler. Um, and it's just really tough to uh, work around that. You know, your, your backups are not going to be better than the starters on, on the other side for most of the games that you play. And that's what we, we've seen over the last month. Uh, and that's a challenge that the Saints have to continue to try and overcome. More challenges coming as well with Cam Jordan and Mark Ingram um, on, placed on the COVID-19 list, John. So they're highly doubtful. Um, if not ruled out, maybe you can touch on that. Uh, but also the other news here is that Taysom's going to keep playing through this finger injury. It sounds like, you know, in Sean Payton's pressers this week that he has no doubt he's talking like Taysom's going to play. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, Taysom going out there and I think, didn't he even say like, oh, you know, I'm kind of having trouble slinging that b- football, but I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> like it doesn't instill a ton of confidence, but still as a fan, I'm looking forward to watching Taysom go out there and try. I mean, I just feel like you, you might as well, right? He just gives you, like we said last week, it, it makes it more interesting, and uh, I think it gives you the best chance, even if he's banged up. Absolutely. You know, I think the phrase that Taysom himself used was, whatever my best is, that's what I'm going to give the team, and that's all we can ask from from the guy. And, you know, it, it's nothing else. He 
puts a more entertaining game <laughs> up, up there no doubt. than uh, Trevor Simeon does, than uh, Ian Book is likely to. Uh, and so you're right. He, he does probably give them his best, their best chance to win, especially if he's continue, uh, continuing to be you know, an aggressive runner here where he had a career-high 101 rushing yards against Dallas. So if he can continue to lean on that aspect of his game and continue to punish teams on the ground, uh, I, I think it gets the same for fighting chance uh, against you know every team left on their schedule. You know, they they have beaten the Buccaneers before. They have beaten the Panthers and the Falcons before. I mean, they they, they could absolutely go. I don't know three and two, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it over this, these last five games and, and get into the playoffs as like the seventh seed. Um, and I think that would be a huge success given everything that they've had to overcome this year. But you know, right now we're focused on this Jets game. Uh, take them even with a bum finger. Uh, well, you know, to be more specific, you know, a bum, uh, middle finger on his throwing hand. Um, that's going to be an issue uh, for him to overcome. But the good, the good thing is that he is, you know, able to work around this. He's able to make a play with his legs. If nothing's there through, through the air. Uh, if he's having trouble um, uh, throwing it, then Sean Payton showed us he's all too eager to say, okay, we're going to build the whole offense out of QB power here. I'm just going to run you over. And, and against a soft defense like the Jets, a team that has had its fair, its fair share of struggles this season, I think that's a good matchup. I, I, I do like the Saints in this game. And even if Taysom is not at 100%, I think he can do enough to leave town with a win. Yeah, we were talking earlier. It's a it's a good week to get the Jets. It just feels good, you know. It's a it just it just feels good having the Jets next on the schedule, but unless you lose, unless you lose, and then and then that's that's not so good. But we'll get into that matchup a little bit more in depth later on in the show. We'll make a pick against the spread. But coming up next, we're going to do our questions of the week. Stay with us. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 14 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh Steelers at Minnesota Vikings. His two best fantasy games have come in the last three weeks, and while his arm isn't what it used to be, Big Ben can still remain efficient with short area passing and rack up a couple of touchdowns along the way. Roethlisberger has at least two touchdown passes in three of his last four contests, and Minnesota has given up three or more such plays in the last five games, including 296 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks to Jared Goff last week. Even Dallas Cowboys backup Cooper Rush torched his defense in Week 8, and in the five games leading up to Week 13, Minnesota's ranked 34.7% better than average for a quarterback to face. Carolina Panthers running back Chuba Hubbard versus Atlanta Falcons. The rookie's last game as a starter came in Week 8 at Atlanta, in which he finished with 16.1 PPR points, his second best showing to date. The Panthers are not only without running back Christian McCaffrey for the rest of the year, but offensive coordinator Joe Brady was fired during the bye week. Hubbard should benefit from the newfound dedication to the running game, and he's a strong play number two in weekly formats. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver K.J. Osborne versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wide receiver Adam Thielen has an ankle injury and has been ruled out for this Thursday nighter. And Osborne is the next man up against a Steelers defense that will be without cornerback Joe Hayden once again. While that doesn't directly impact Osborne, it shifts the coverage around in his favor. Four times in the last five games, a wide receiver scored against the Steelers, and the position has averaged the 12th most yards per game during that window of operation. Osborne is a slightly risky, but certainly viable wide receiver three, 
with number two upside. New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram at Denver Broncos. Ingram might as well have Tom the hot dog salesman throwing to him in week 14, but this matchup is so dang good that it's hard to get away from it. Quarterback Daniel Jones is unlikely to play, and his backup Mike Glennon suffered a concussion in week 13. That leaves Jake Fromm as the third stringer. In reality, is Fromm really that much worse, if at all, than Glennon? Probably not. LA has allowed tight ends five touchdowns in the last 22 catches, which is solidly the easiest matchup in that metric. Play Ingram as a flyer for a cheap touchdown. The playoffs will be upon us in week 15. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, it's that time of the show, the questions of the week, where I throw three questions at John that he's not prompted on, so this is just honest stuff from John. Question number one, last week the Ravens, instead of kicking an extra point with their future Hall of Fame kicker and going to overtime against the Steelers, they went for two, missed it, and lost 20-19 to in Pittsburgh. So do you love or hate that strategy, to go for two with a chance to end the game in the final seconds? I like it. You know, If you have an opportunity to go put your, your best 11 guys on the field and go try and, and win the game. I think you got to go for it every, every time. You know, that, that's the mentality you have to have. That my 11 is better than your 11. We like our play call. We like the situation. We're going to go get some points. We're going to win this small game. Uh, and, you know, looking at it, they had the right call. You know, the, the, the tight end was open. You know, he, he had room to run uh, that are underneath the coverage. And it was just, an, just a bad throw from Lamar Jackson. You know, he, he's got to throw the ball with more accuracy. Uh, to hit his receiver in, in stride, give him a chance to make a play. They, they did not do that, and they ended up going home with a loss. So I like the decision. I like the play call. Uh, I like the guys who were involved with with, with, with that attempt. Uh, but it just was poorly executed, and that's something we we have seen with the Saints at times as well. Yeah, I love it. But for the Ravens, I do push back a little bit against that decision because your kicker is so freaking good. Like, their kicker's a Hall of Famer, John. He's automatically going to make that. So you're not worried about the kicker or something going wrong there. Right. You no, know. he, he, he didn't make it against the Saints a couple years ago. No, that's now. true. So maybe, that's maybe true. That, maybe well, that was laying down. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, John. Nobody's perfect. But for me, I look at the Ravens and Tucker up until that point in the NFL, uh, up until that point in college and in high school. That, that was the, the first time since middle school that he missed an extra point. So it's he, that Saints he, voodoo, it, baby. it is not a guarantee. It's that voodoo, baby, <laughs> that voodoo. Uh, you, that's you know, right. The thing is, is like, the Ravens are this team. Like people talk about the Ravens, like they're the Super Bowl contender, and they're just not that good. They're not. I just think I think I have a personal bias against them, John. I just think they're not that good. They're like this fake eight and four team. I I think they're fine. I I, lo- I love Lamar Jackson. I think they're fine. I love that decision, but I don't know if I love it for the Ravens, just given their situation. Now, if I have a team that has a crap kicker, I think I go for it every single time. But I don't know. For some reason, I just don't like it for the Ravens. But you know what, John? It just might be a personal bias thing for me. Well, no, I think that's fair, too, because, you know, you're, you're assuming that you make the field goal or you make the extra point, and then you get, the, you get to overtime, and you think that, okay, we have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is one of the, the most inept quarterbacks in the NFL. Exactly. We can go out there. Yeah, we, can the force them, we can force a quick punt, and then we get a chance to make a play. 
uh, or make a couple big plays in the open field. And so I, I understand the logic from that side of it. I still like the decision to go for it, uh, but you know, if you have that context to it, that does change it a little bit. Even with the Ravens' struggles, you know, in, in a lot of in a lot of ways, they've kind of been like the Saints' main counterpart in the in the AFC with all of these postseason struggles, with getting knocked out in the divisional round, and you know, really struggling to seal the deal once once they get to the elimination stage. Um, you know, I guess I'm sympathetic at, at, on some level. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> a good that. cop. I never thought um, about it like that. It's a good cop. Yeah, it, well, but at the same time, look, look at it too. Look at all everything they've lost, all the injuries. You know, at that point in the game, they knew that Marlon Humphrey was out for the year, uh, and so I can also see them being kind of wary of like, okay, sure. we don't want to give it, it, as much as 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 much as we lean on our defense, we don't want to give the Steelers a chance to make a play and steal this win from us. So we're gonna we're gonna go down swinging with our with you know us having possession of the ball here. And we're we're going to do our, give our best effort, and if we can't execute it, then that's on us. And that that's what they've really had to deal with for the last week, uh, and and what they're going to have to really take a hard look in the mirror and evaluate. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it because the Steelers, for as inept as they are on offense, and they are inept, um, they had gotten hot in that fourth quarter as well, and maybe the Humphrey injury had something to do with that. So uh, that's a good little discussion, John. And now let's move on to question number two. Um, as a Saints fan, not saying the season's over yet, but I did see this post on Saints Wire that prompted this question. Uh, what position do you hope the Saints invest in early in next year's draft? As a fan, what position are you hoping for? It's got to be receiver. Like to me, th- there's no position on on the roster right now that is in worse shape than wide receiver. Uh, that's because the Saints waited longer than any other team to draft a receiver. Uh, over, over the last few years, uh, from the time they picked Traquan Smith in the third round of the 2018 NFL Draft, they did not select a single receiver until the end of the seventh round in the 2021 NFL Draft. And so, and so that's been reflected in the roster construction. You know, you look at the depth chart right now, and you look at the guys who are under contract for next year. Uh, Marcos Callaway, undrafted free agent. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, undrafted free agent. Um, Deontay Harris, uh, undrafted free agent, who is currently suspended for an off-season DUI. Um, you know, you've got all these guys who are, you know, players who uh, multiple teams, the Saints themselves passed on selecting in the draft because they saw flaws in their skill sets. They saw flaws in their game tape uh, that kind of get them flaws to think, to think whether or not these guys can, you know, compete. And so that's what the Saints are now, where they've got this group that is kind of like an, you know, you know, I guess just the season, an uh, in, in island of uh, misfit toys here, uh, <laughs> who, who none of them are someone that you can you can really express a lot of confidence and um they've got to come up, they've got to find a way to add some blue chip talent at that position now getting michael thomas back from uh, his injury that's going to be big even if he's only half the player he once was that's still better than half the guys in this league right now if not more um but between his injury between you know some uncertainty about his future uh, I've, I've got to, to come out of that first round with a receiver like the good thing about that is there are, you know, four, maybe five viable top 15 talents at receiver th- uh, this year from, from the sounds of it. We're, we are recording a Wednesday. One of those guys, uh, Arkansas standout Traylon Burks, uh, just declared for the draft uh, today. Um, so he, he could be someone who eventually ends up in black and gold. You know, we're super early in the process. Uh, I did put out like my first three round mock draft in the wake of that Cowboys loss. Um, and I did have the Saints going with a, with a receiver. And what I acknowledged here is that. You know, as much attention as we give to mock drafts at this point in the season, it's very important 
to be aware of you know how the NFL calendar plays out. We know we we have to get through free agency first. We have to see who we're retaining. Uh, Traquan Smith, for example, is a free agent. So is he someone the Saints is going to keep around as a veteran, uh, as someone who knows the offense, or, the, or or are they going to be ready to uh, pass on him and bring in some some uh, fresh legs? So that's something I considered. You know, looking at the free agent class, uh, there are guys I would love to see in New Orleans. Michael Gallup is one of those who has yes. he had a very big game. Like, in the Superdome, I'm like, man, I hope he enjoys running on that turf because uh, you know he, he might be able to get you <laughs> to do awesome. that a little more often. He is absolutely I, I, awesome. He is, he is, and he's been buried on that depth chart, uh, you know, through no fault of his own. You know, they, they've been drafting first rounders. It seems like every couple of years, um, getting guys ahead of him. So Michael Gallup is someone I would love to see the Saints make a hard run at in free agency. But once they get down under the salary cap, and that's another post we had go up at Saints Wire outlining how they can do that without cutting a single player. They, they can. He, they're currently 61 million over the cap. They can get down um, to around like 195. I found without without cutting anybody, without even touching their contracts with Michael Thomas, with Cameron Jordan. Uh, they have a lot of options. I think they've got an easier road to cap compliance this year and to creating enough cap space to be competitive in free agency than we've seen before. So it's going to be an exciting offseason for the Saints. And you know, at the hopefully they'll be in a position where they'll, they'll have their quarterback situation figured out going into the draft, and to me, adding the receiver at that point really benefits the team regardless of what they do with quarterback. If they bring back uh, Jameis Winston, if they stick with Taysom Hill, if they trade for somebody else, whoever it is, you want that guy to have the best supporting cast possible. So if that means drafting a Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams or Chris Olave or uh, Garrett Wilson in the first round, I think you do that. Uh, you, you get that supporting cast and you set your, your guy up for success. Um, and you make life easier on everyone involved by raising the talent level at your worst position group. Saints fans, if you're a little bit down on the team this year, five-game losing streak, not feeling good, uh, check out Saints Wire. John has stories on the cap, stories on the uh, mock drafts up there, John. So yeah, it's, uh, I could tell. Are you, are you in a bad mood as a Saints fan this week? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Can we read into <laughs> that? I can't tell. But that leads me into my question number three. As you wrote, John, uh, the, the Saints are too talented and well-coached to tank, but they're also too flawed to make any kind of you know, real late-season run this year, even if they were to somehow make the playoffs. Looks very likely that they will finish below 500. I don't know, maybe... So here's a hypothetical, a fan hypothetical, right? Maybe a fan would want the Saints to help their draft position by giving, I don't know, and book a couple of starts at the end of the year. Maybe, maybe you tank a couple spots, get a better draft pick, and also get a look at your rookie quarterback and see how he looks. Like... Would you buy or sell that type of strategy for your team, or would you rather see them trot out Taysom Hill and go for broke, even if it means you finish eight and nine or or seven and ten? Yeah, I think so. You know, you know, even with all of the injuries and everything, they they are too. Um, this team is too well constructed to just fall apart like that. And as uh, our contributor Maddie Hudak uh, wrote here on Wednesday, uh, tanking is not in Sean Payton's DNA. Um, that's not something that that's not a strategy he's going to endorse and embrace. It's not something that Bill Parcells really imparted in him or Andy Reid, uh, his, his two big mentors. Um, that's just not what he's about. Um, even his own, uh, you know, the guys in his coaching tree, like Dan Campbell, is not about is not about to purposefully take the season, as we saw with, with that just fantastic walk off fourth down touchdown pass um, over the Minnesota Vikings. Hate to see them lose uh, this, this, this past week. Fantastic. Couldn't happen to a better team. Well, maybe the Falcons. That's neither here nor there. I got some history um, with those Vikings. Yes. Yes, definitely. A little bit. A little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, Vikings and walk-off TDs. I don't know anything about that. 
Um, but as I was saying, like Sean Payton, he's I don't I don't believe it's going to get to a point where he's going into tank. Like he he has shown us that already that he's not willing to put Ian Book out there with which considering what Book would have to work with, um, it makes sense. You know, if, if he goes out there and has a terrible game, gets, 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 just gets destroyed, that could just kill the, the, the guy's confidence before his career even gets off the ground. So I, I don't want to see him – I personally don't want to see Ian Book starting unless, he, unless it's like preseason and he's had like two weeks to prepare for it. You know, get, get him put, set him up for success. Don't throw him into the fire right away. Let, let's take our time with this and be patient and kind of trust the process a bit. And so – just taking a bigger picture view of it, I think the Saints are going to be competitive. They're getting guys back. They're getting Ron Armstead back, Marcus Davenport, Alvin Kamara. Uh, these are all players that have won a lot of games in their careers. And so I think the Saints, I don't know that they're going to go on a, go on a run or, any, or anything serious like that, make, make a lot of noise, challenge for the division title, none of that. But I do think that they're going to surprise some teams down the stretch, and I think they're going to get to the playoffs. And I don't think there's an, there's any team in this league that's going to want to draw them there in the wild card round. No, not at all. And you know, I, I definitely sell this kind of strategy. And and there's no way the Saints are going to tank, and I don't think fans should want them to. I don't. I think you don't want to be the Jets, right, John? You don't want to be the Jets and tank and, and get the number two draft pick and then pick some quarterback Zach Wilson that does nothing. Yeah, you, you go from Mark Sanchez to Sam Darnold yes. to Zach Wilson. Exactly. It, it's, just, it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah, you don't want that. Okay, let's say that the worst-case scenario here is that the Saints you know, win a couple games. They finish at like uh, whatever the equivalent of 7-9 and nine is, 8-9, and nine, I guess. Now, okay, cool, cool. So they got the 15th pick. Um, that's not bad at all, as opposed to you know purposefully losing and then picking 10th instead of 15th. Like, that, that, that's not that big of a gap, and we're, we're in a, I, I don't believe that the talent difference is going to be that severe from the 10th pick to the 15th, um, or even maybe from 10th to 19th, you know? Um, it's not like there's a whole bunch of quarterbacks who are, you know, banging down the door that all these teams are going to be, you know, super amped to, to find. I think I think the flavor of the month right now is the Heisman candidate from Pittsburgh, uh, Kenny Pickett, who, who's a 24-year-old uh, prospect, um, who has not been good <laughs> for, until this point in his career. So um, that's not someone that I would be super excited to you know, lose 10 games in a row uh, to hopefully have a shot at selecting. So I, I, I think that the Saints are going to stick, w- stick with it, uh, stick with Jason Hill, be competitive, try and find some wins, to find some optimism to carry over into the offseason. Let's get on to this game against the Jets, shall we? The Saints, five-and-a-half-point favorites heading to New York. John and I... We'll take a look at that game a little bit more in depth and make a pick right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bed Slipping Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Cardinals favor two and a half points and the total sitting at 51 and a half. I'm on the Cardinals minus two and a half here because they have the better quarterback and the better defense. And this line, this game is priced as if these teams are are even even on a neutral field, whereas I think Cardinals are favored or should be favored on a neutral field. So I'll take them laying two and a half at home. Nate, how are you betting the Rams-Cardinals game? All right, so both teams rank in the top 10 in opponents passing yards per game, yet they love to throw the ball. The Rams are averaging under 24 points per game versus teams with top 10 pass defenses. Combine it all, and I think the under 52 looks good. 
That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, savvy sports bettors, John, they're always looking for a home underdog, right? Getting more than a field goal. So this is kind of one of those games, right? The Saints, as we said, favored by five and a half points heading to New York. I think the public might actually back the Jets a lot with the Saints in such kind of a rut right now. But what do you think? Is five and a half points is the price right for you? As we talked about, some reinforcements are coming. Maybe getting some guys back on defense and uh, Alvin Kamara is practicing uh, so what do you think? Is five and a half points, is that enough points for you to lay with the Saints heading on the road to New York? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Jets have been pretty been pretty terrible all year long. This feels like a, a great time for the Saints to get healthy, especially on offense, and get, kind of get back in, in, into the swing of things, break this losing streak, put some points on the board, uh, and then get ready for a, just a pivotal game with, with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the following week. So I like the Saints in this game. I like them, you know, but uh, five and a half, yeah, I'll take that. I, I think they've got a good chance of hitting that, even without Deontay Harris. Like, if they've got Alvin Kamara back, um, playing at anywhere close to 100, uh, percent then they should run. They, they should run away with this one. The total is 42 and a half, and for some reason, John, I'm leaning over. Maybe because points are more fun, but I think you know Kamara's coming back. He's definitely due for one of those six touchdown games, right? We we could use one of those. But also the Jets allow oh, yeah. the most yards per play in the league, the Jets defense. So the Saints should be able to move the football just fine, score some points. And the Jets have scored at least 17 in their last six games. Now, they're not good, but they've, they've scored at least 17, and they're at home. So I think it's not a stretch to think that there could be some points in this game. So if that line at 42.5 wants to come down at all to like 42 or or 41 and a half I would d- jump all over it but I think even at 42 and a half I would lean over on the total what do you think yeah I think so this feels like a game where the Saints are going to score like I don't know 25 27 points Pro- probably get you know weaponized Alvin Kamara there in the red zone a few times I, 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 th- I think they'll have, I think they'll have plenty of success uh, in that department which which would be a, a welcome change of pace from how things have started so uh, for how things have been going for the last month, month and a half-ish. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the over there. I'll, I'll take the Saints. Um, I, I think that this is, a, this is a very favorable matchup for them. And I, I like New Orleans to finally get some uh, some positive vibes. Like, yeah, I was going to say, you, you, it would be nice for you to write a nice winning article. Maybe, <laughs> maybe nice, man. start it at halftime. Yeah, I have one of those games more. where you can start the article at halftime. Saints win, you know, get the headline yeah. written. That'd be nice. It's it, it's yeah, been a while. Write about some positives that are not positive COVID test results. Um, exactly, it'll be great. Yeah, so. exactly. So let's hope for that. Saints Jets. Looking forward to that one. For John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us again. Hit subscribe, and we will catch you next week. This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.